You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Hi, I'm Ellen, a food addict, grateful for my recovery one day at a time. I've been abstinent in OA How, sugar-free, flour-free, and volume-free. For 31 years back-to-back, I'm maintaining 100-plus pound weight loss, and today is the most important day of my recovery. And it's interesting, I was just having a conversation this morning with my housemate, Catherine, and we were just talking about uh, how progressive the illness is, and that since addiction is progressive, if I ever lose my mind and chose to go back back out there, it's even worse than what I've already experienced. So I'm grateful for today. I don't have to make that choice. And I'm one of those people that is a rock solid, low bottom um, food addict. I mean, my earliest memories, earliest memories are of me and food and not just me and food, but me and food and guilt. And because I was sneaking in the refrigerator to get this or that and blah, blah, blah. And I knew I wasn't supposed to be eating it, yet I was eating it. And I have so many stories of in my childhood of how I stole food, uh, bartered for food, um, just uh, and, and all the associated weight-related problems that, that ensued as a result of that. And um, I, I, when I was five, I was going to kindergarten and at the entrance to the school, the elementary school, was this giant fir tree. And I discovered for some reason that if you went all the way down on the ground, you could like slip into the inside of the tree where the trunk was and it was sort of like an umbrella and it was surrounding me. And I could see out, but nobody could see in. So I had my little tiny baggie of cookie or whatever it was for my snack later and I had it in my hand and of course I wanted to eat it and I'm five years old and I'm already having the conversation go ahead you can just just take one bite just take one bite and I looked down at my hand and the cookie was all the cookies were all gone and this shame came down to me because I knew at snack time I was not going to have a snack to eat and I would be jealous of everybody. I would mooch, try and mooch other people's snacks and this type of thing. And this is five years old. Um, I remember in second grade, these are just the highlights, the top, the top few of having to go to the nurse's office all in a row by height to get weighed in front of everybody, the boys and girls included. And I remember that when I went to the scale, I took my shoes off so that I would weigh less when I stood on the scale. Now, we all know this behavior a million trillion times from every diet club or whatever, the, 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 the 
cure of the moment was going to be and you know they have to face the music with the weigh-ins and all that type of stuff and just I remember at one of those diet clubs one of the women women broke her leg so they couldn't assess her weight gain or loss that week and I remember thinking how lucky she was because she didn't have to you know face the music as so to speak so anyway my food addiction affected my life it affected my opinion of myself um, if if one's disease is worn the way mine is, um, I uh, I'm I'm like a public target for you're telling me how I should be eating and what I should be eating and what I should be wearing and why and uh, as a child in the five and ten store, which is essentially the whole store, they had a little bit of this and a little bit of that. The clothing for my size person, there was a giant sign hanging down and it said Chubettes. And I fell in love. I saw this beautiful dress, it was red and white stripes, and I just love bright colors. And my grandmother was with me. She was taking me shopping because my mother was very ill. And I remember her, I showed her the dress and I remember her saying that horizontal stripes were not very slenderizing. Now, I don't know if I was seven, I don't know if, if I was sick, I just don't know. But the, the, the weight of that comment to me, it just like rained down on me like, A, don't want anything that's beautiful that way. You're not beautiful that way. It's going to call, if, if it calls more attention to you, that's worse. And that being overweight, whatever I was at that point in time, um, was, you know, stated that opinion was written in stone now. Um, I went through every phase of dieting, um, you know, no carbs, no only protein, no this, no that, uh, vegetables, for as many as you wanted for blah, 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 you know, and I never lasted on a diet except I did, did have some success at a diet club. And because in my mind, my weight should have been 50 pounds lower or whatever that my weight became, I had no sense of myself that I was a normal body size. And I told myself all those kinds of things like, um, oh, I can have a little of this, a little of that. And for a while that worked and I didn't gain weight. And then at that some moment, as we know in our disease, boom, I crossed that line and could not stop eating and could not stop gaining weight. And um, I, I sent some pictures. I don't know if there was a way to show them or not, but um, if not, I'll just show one here of me. Let's see. I could do that. Just a second. Just give me a minute, and I'll I'll put those up for you. Okay. Thanks. Okay. You don't, you don't have to keep them up because when they're up, yeah. then I can't see everybody else. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, anyway, so uh, I had every indignity. All of my clothing stained on the chest or whatever because eating in the car. I couldn't, you know possibly eat in the, you know, go an hour without eating. And um, so those are some of my fat pictures there. Yeah, make them big. There we <laughs> go. Um, there are photos of photographs. This was the old days before at least I knew about digital camera-ing or whatever. Um, this is a, the top one is a before. The middle one is a before, but I believe, I mean, I don't even know what my top weight was, but that's the, heaviest picture of me and I was at least 239 pounds or more 
And the bottom picture, although it looks hideous, I was in program for three months and had already begun to lose the weight. So, and I felt transformed or I would not have been in allowing a person to take a picture of me uh, with my permission, with my full body showing, um, had I not felt that I, I had hope. Anyway, um, so I also was the tallest person in my class <laughs> as a child and I wore glasses. So it was like the biggest person, the baddest person, the person with glasses, all these types of things. So anyway, I lived my life of guilt and shame and nonstop eating. I would eat breakfast before I went to work, which would consist of a box of toaster pastries. Um, and I take a sleeve of them with me to have uh, as a backup, uncooked, raw, whatever. And I would stop at a fast food restaurant on my way to work and eat a complete breakfast, a fast food breakfast. Then um, around 11 o'clock in the morning, I did banking for my job at that point. And uh, I would get go and get every everybody else their snack, their, you know, their morning snack. Of course, I hid mine. And I also had procured my afternoon snack and my everything other snack. So then I would eat lunch. Then I would have an afternoon snack. Then on the way home from work, I would stop at a fast food place and get my dinner. I would then stop at a convenience store to have my nighttime stash because I wasn't like, I didn't keep a lot of food. I couldn't keep a lot of food because whatever I had, I ate. And then after, I'd have dinner at home, and then after dinner, I'd watch TV and have my nighttime snack. And I remember I didn't know it was getting near the end of my illness, uh, of my pre-recovery, that I ate, I made this giant vat of an entree, like a, a, a stew, and I ate the entire pot that was intended, I don't know, for six or eight servings, I have no idea. And I later vomited, not because I wanted to, but because my body would no longer contain the amount of food that I had put into it in such a short time. And as soon as I had vomited, everything was fine as far as I was concerned and I was ready to eat more. So my life um, came to a halt um, when I was um, in my 20s, mid-20s, and I tried to go on a diet. I had moved to um, another area to take a job uh, as a manager of a new store, and um, I was miserable. I hated my job. I hated all my jobs. I had no friends. I had employees, and I knew that I could never do anything social unless I lost weight. So because I had been on so many diets, I just um, started one that I already knew. I knew, you know, how to count the calories and what this was worth and what that was worth. So I got this crappy, horrible diet food, which for me was pretty much mackerel in a can. Uh, I don't know if people remember those days or tuna in a can, you know, uh, some putrid salad without dressing and very, very little carbs. I mean, it was just misery. And I was only on this a few days and I came home from work and I also suffered from untreated depression. Um, and I began to prepare to commit suicide and I organized things at work so that I was showing my assistant manager everything so she would know what to do and blah, blah, blah. And um, I went 
I took, I took the week off or something. I went on vacation. I don't know what I did. And, um, what had happened was I came home from work and I looking at the refrigerator, you know, please don't eat what's in that refrigerator. And I would open it up and this horrible diet food was in there, but it was food. And I closed the door and opened the door and closed the door, having this conversation, don't do it. And I sort of came to in the living room looking at this horrible bowl of crap, but I was eating it and I was crying. So I had my own kind of a blackout. And that's when I knew everything was over. We have two two large dogs that are about to bark. So if they do, I'm, I apologize in advance. A horse walked by our gate and that's cause for alarm. Anyway, um, so I you know, realized that my life was over. And I didn't know the phrase, but I was at the point when I couldn't live with food and I couldn't live without it. I was at the jumping off point. And a few days later, I attempted suicide, which began a series of psychiatric hospitalization for months. Um, and despite all this therapy thrown at me or whatever, or what they call therapy, um, when my appetite returned, first of all, I lost six, I was in a coma. I forgot to mention that uh, after that. I was in a coma. And um, then when I awoke, uh, they thought I had brain damage. And then I just went back to the psychiatric ward. And um, I had no appetite. And in that period, this six weeks period, I lost 60 pounds. I have no idea how that's possible, but I absolutely 100% know it's possible because I weighed myself on my scale, you know, at home to weigh myself. And then I was weighed on the hospital scale. So in six weeks, because of the profound illness and the coma and all this kind of stuff, I lost that amount of weight. I still had no concept of myself as a thin person. When I stood up, my pants did not, I mean, they, you know, they did not come up with me and I just felt as fat and as as, as ever and when my appetite began to return because it was stricken from me for so long that was the only time in my life that I lost weight naturally they go into a coma and um, I felt my appetite returning one day I saw the, the the trays of food that they would send in and there was a dessert on the tray of food and I remember thinking oh boy and it was like that it was like there's no point in doing this. It's back. And as much as I tried to explain to the multiple people, none of them understood food addiction unless it was bulimia, um, vomiting, laxative abuse, you know, that type of thing, or anorexia. There was no understanding. I didn't know I had an illness from which I could not recover myself. So anyway, I spent my life in misery in that kind of a misery finally was released and went back to work for eight more years i suffered that way and i was in therapy and no medication unfortunately which i need to stay alive um and i was already having the active thoughts of suicide you know it was like turn the wheel now when i was driving turn it now turn just like let's get this over with and I had heard of OA and I mentioned it to my therapist and he said, great, go. And then shortly thereafter, he stopped being my therapist 
and I was devastated and I was not, I did not join program at that time. However, two years later, I saw the miracle of this program in my older sister who was morbidly obese to the, like the 400 pound mark. And she was dying. Five dying. minutes. Okay, she was dying each day physically and she was dying inside, she was dead inside. And she was sent to a rehab, two rehabs they had in those days, paid by insurance. And she came home after those 30 days absolutely transformed. Not by the amount of weight she lost, because that was insignificant compared to her size, but there was just this lightness of being that she had. I just remember seeing her on the opening the door and seeing her on the front porch and just being so shocked. And I didn't recognize that what I was seeing in her was hope. And she never proselytized, but I was fascinated. Like, tell me, you know, tell me this, tell me that. She didn't eat flour. She didn't eat sugar, which I thought was ridiculous because no one could do that for the rest of their life, obviously. And um, going to meetings and writing, having phone calls and just meetings, meetings, meetings. And she was talking about this thing, higher power. And it was like, what the hell is she talking about? Because both of us, believe me, had no higher power. And um, when, she, when I finally heard that higher power thing, I knew I had to have a higher power or I was going to die. And so I went to OA with her for real that this time and I was trying to find out what a higher power was and most of it didn't make sense to me but the people were so warm and welcoming and supportive and loving and sharing with me and sharing what they did with their food and blah 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 that it was just amazing and I went down into the parking lot I know I'm almost, almost done and I sat in my car and I wished that I would have a car accident going home because I knew I could never go on another diet. I, I knew it was, I couldn't. But for whatever reason, that did not happen. And I did what they said. I went to another meeting and I went and I did what they said at that meeting and I got a sponsor at that meeting. And that sponsor talked to me all for hours after this late night meeting for sharing her food plan with me. And I went to the store and that day, I began my abstinence and that's how I worked my program ever since ever every day since with using the tools using the tools I didn't understand the philosophy I couldn't define what a higher power was and now my higher power is the pause between the um, obsessive thought and the need to actually act upon that thought and my higher power is there in many many other places but um, tools, tools, tools. And um, that's also going to be, I don't know if you have topics, but I was going to suggest uh, the topic being either what is your favorite tool or how you, um, and or how you use that tool or what kind of help do you need from us today? So any of those topics would be um, good. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you.